Well, open your Bibles this morning to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. If you're visiting with us this morning, we welcome you. Uh, always bring your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, come let me meet you and I'll give you a Bible because that's what changes our life, the Word of God. And we study the Word of God every time we're together. This morning we're going to study one verse. And since I've already given you my introduction, we're going to study God's way of being a dad. And I want you to know there is indescribable joy in being what God's called us to be, whatever area of Scripture you studied. This morning with Father's Day, we're going to study how to be a dad God's way. Now, as I start this study, I know the enemy. The enemy is dirty. The enemy will take truth that I give you this morning, and if you've not been a godly dad, he'll twist it, and he'll use it instead of to set you free. He'll use it to condemn you and shame you. And instead of loving this study and seeing that the truth sets you free, you'll think, i got to get out of here. I can't wait till Pastor Phil stops. Don't let the devil do that to you. What I'm going to share with you, and that's why as I prayed, Lord, how can I teach this without people letting the devil beat them up with the truth instead of you set them free? And the Father convicted me, well, tell your story of tears. Tell your story of doubt. So that's how I'm going to begin. You see, I was born in 1951 in southeast Arkansas, and I grew up where I was in church every time the doors were open, and that was Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and we had one week, two week, three week revivals, and I grew up in, in my little naive mind, I thought everyone loved Jesus. Uh, they didn't have any businesses open on Sunday called the Blue Laws, and everyone had to go to church. And I was so naive. I mean, when you're little, all you know is what you see, and that's all I knew. And, and the first time in my little life that I can remember that everyone didn't know Jesus and loved Jesus is when I was seven or eight. And uh, my parents were often the best friends to the pastor and, and the way you're the best friends to the pastor, you just do a lot of nice things for the pastor. And, and my parents were always doing nice things for the pastor, and often he would be out at our home for dinner, and he would come out Sunday night. And, and back then, we would get to eat, and, and, and when you grow up in the South, you eat a lot of sugar. It's homemade ice cream and blackberry cobbler and apple pie and cherry cobbler and the reason why it's so good, I didn't know this for years, is you just pour the bag of sugar in there and it tastes good. And, and you, we would have that. And then after we would eat that sugar, who knows how we could ever go to sleep because we had all that sugar in our system. But we were supposed to go to bed. And I had three brothers and we were to go to bed and then the adults would visit a, an hour or two more. Well, on this particular night, I had to get up and I don't remember why I had to get up. Like I say, this is seven or eight. But I had to get up and remember, homes back then, most of them are little. A thousand, twelve hundred square feet, and the walls were thin. So you could hear anything in the house if you want to listen. And I'd gotten up probably to get a drink or to go potty. But as I was standing, wherever I was standing, it was the room right next to the kitchen. Because back there, the homes are so small. If you're in any room, you're usually next door to the next room, you know. They're all next to each other. And I begin to hear my pastor cry. And I loved my pastor. He was like extended family. I loved his wife. She was like, you know, uncle and aunt or grandpa and grandma. In fact, that's how I, looking back, God taught me the importance of just being a lover to all the children. And that's why I, I love children. I learned that from my pastors. But he was weeping. And his wife was weeping. And he was telling my mom and dad that their oldest son had just gone off to college. His name was Eugene. I remember it like it was yesterday. Isn't it amazing how God takes certain stories and just plants them in your memory? And they were weeping because Eugene 
had gone off to college in just a few months. He had gotten into alcohol and drugs, and they had just gotten a call that week that he thought his girlfriend was pregnant. And he'd even told his dad and mom as they'd gotten into a, an argument over the phone that he no longer believed there was a God and he was going to say that he was an atheist. And they were brokenhearted. And I couldn't believe it because I knew Eugene. How could he leave his faith? And, and I remembered. See, they didn't know. I was next door about... I went and got my bed, and I just laid there, and I thought, how could that be? Well, just to speed the clock up, I went through from a time I was eight to nine, and I had four different pastors, elementary school, middle school, high school. Every one of their children, when they would leave home and go off to college, it was the same story. And each time it would happen, I began to look for it. I began to watch. Is Bill, is Ann, is Bruce, is Sue, are they going to stay faithful to the Lord? And amazing, every one of them would fall away from their faith. So as I'm going through school, this doubt is beginning to grow in me. Is this really real? I graduated from high school, and there were about 12 students that I knew in my community that we went to Eastern Washington State at that time, college is now university outside of Spokane, Washington. There were about 7,000 students then. And within three months before Christmas, every one of those students except one fell away in alcohol and immorality. I thought, is this real? Christianity it was a secret thought. I never discussed it with anyone. I went through college. I graduated. I went to Southwestern Seminary. And my second year there, and I'm serving the Lord and loving the Lord and sharing Jesus and serving on staff, but way down deep, you know how you can have secrets in your heart that you never discuss with anyone, but, it, but the devil wants that to become a doubt that will distract you and turn you away. And, and one day, I was taking the book of Romans from Dr. Jack McGorman. Now, if you know anything about theology, in fact, two, three years ago, they built a brand new worship center that seats 35, 4,000 people in Southwestern. And of all the professors that they could name that place after, they named it the McGorman Center after Dr. Jack McGorman. I mean, the guy's written books. He can talk Greek for the New Testament and Hebrew, the Old Testament, like we talk English. He is incredible. He was the godliest man. I mean, his classes were always the first classes to fill up. Back then, they had a rule. You couldn't have more than 99 persons in a room. And his classes would fill up because everyone wanted to be under the teaching of Dr. McGorman. Godly man spoke all over the world. Well, this one particular day, however the subject came up, it was on what is most important in your life. And that day, as he began to speak, and he had a quiet voice. I mean, you've never been in a class that was quieter because he didn't speak very loud. So we all sat on the, you know, it was the one class everyone would try to sit up front because you could hardly hear him. And that was before they used PA systems. And he began to tear up, and he began to get emotional. And he took his glasses off. And he said, man, I'm going to share something with you. Because I love teaching God's Word. I love being a professor. I love to teach around the world. And often he was teaching in Bible conferences around the world. I love what God's called me. I love His Word. I love ministering to people. But then he began to weep. And he said, but men, when I was getting my education, my children were in middle school. He had three sons. And he said, I didn't know what was most important. And he said, I would give 
my degrees, my teaching, everything, if my three sons loved the Lord. Because when they left high school, they walked away from their faith. And we don't even have fellowship together. And he just broke. Now, with everything that I experienced, I want you to know, there was hardly a young man in that room not weeping. My tears were not only for Dr. Jack McGorman, because when you love someone and they hurt, you hurt, right? But there was a fear in my heart, because I thought, if Dr. Jack McGorman cannot raise godly children, God, is this possible? Well, I graduated from seminary, went to my first full-time church. Now remember, every church I'd serve, under pastors and with pastors, I would just see their children go wayward. I was in my first full-time church. It served there six months. To give you a date on this, Philip was two or three months old. And one day he called another male staff. There were several women but there was one other male staff and myself, and he was about 30. I was 25. And he said, Bob and Phil, come in here. And he shut the door, and he said, I just received a call that David, and that was his oldest son, and David was about six months older than me. I knew David. He had moved to Texas. He said, I just received a call that David put a gun in his mouth and killed himself. Of course, we all wept. We wept with not just our pastor, we wept with a daddy. And after that, it was a defining moment in my life because I left his office and walked in my office and I shut the door. And I laid down on my face before God. And I said, Father, if you ever do anything in my life, I asked, Father, would you teach me how to be a godly daddy to raise godly children? Lord, I know it has to be possible because your word says in Malachi 2.15, it says the whole reason you get married is to what? Bring forth godly offspring. I know it's your will, Father, but no one I've ever seen does it. Will you teach me? See, I didn't even put in there that I have three brothers. Now, you that have been listening to me for years, you know most of the stories. All three of my brothers went wayward. When I went to college that freshman year, my older brother, I discovered he was getting drunk every weekend and smoking a little grass, that's marijuana, and, and sleeping with whatever girl he could get in bed with him. I said, Doug, what are you doing? How can you call yourself a Christian and live like this? And he said, if you ever tell mom or dad, I'll kill you. And so I didn't think he'd kill me, but I kept my mouth shut that freshman year. And that's where God really broke my heart for lost people because I lived with three guys that all called themselves Christians, but every weekend they had no power over temptation. They had no power over peer pressure. They had no power over the lust of their flesh. My two other brothers... They walked away from God as well. One's in prison right now. And so as I cried out to God, I said, God, teach me. And I want you to know, praise His name, He taught me. And see, now I've lived long enough, and for you that have known me for 22 years, you know it is possible to raise godly children, to raise them elementary, middle school, high school, college, and on into their adult years. 
And today, I'm going to share with you one verse of Scripture. Now, there will be other verses, but I want all of you that are young, I want all of you that are middle-aged, I want all of you that are old, and even you that are grandparents, I want you to know this message today is for you wherever you are. That today becomes the first day of your life that you say, I'm going to take that and I'm going to, Lord, let you do in my life what you need to be that I can be a godly daddy, a godly grandpa. And don't let the devil condemn you about yesterday. Amen? If he starts condemning you, you say, shut up, devil, you're a liar. You're an accuser. I'm going to listen to the grace and the goodness of Jesus. Amen? I, I wish I had all of you right at the kitchen table with me. That when I see you trembling, I can just hold your hand and say, don't let that devil condemn you. You listen to the truth of Jesus. And you let God say today, this is going to be the first day for the rest of my life. I really wish I had all of you sitting right here where I can just look at you. Because I know how the devil works. So here we go. Are you in Proverbs 22, 6? All of you turn there. If you don't have your Bible... It'll be on the screen. But here's what God said to me that day on, when I was on my face. Get you an ink pen. You're going to want to take notes today. See, look up there at the bullet on the right-hand side. This is what God shared with me. This is what God impressed on me. And he said, Philip, this is how you raise godly children. See, God has given me and I made this first person for each of us as dads. God has given me an indescribable, powerful influence upon my children. And I can tell you, no matter how powerful you think it is, it's more. I continue to learn that. I continue to hear that from my three adult sons. As they're speaking to others saying, this is what dad did that made such a huge difference. And I never even knew that was making a, a big difference. See, God has given me an indescribable, powerful influence upon my children. And in that influence commands me to live my life, write it in, defined by the Word of God. Now, I'm going to tell you what defined by the Word of God is. Defined by the Word of God rather than just influenced by the Word of God. When I'm defined by the Word of God, God uses that ordained influence that He gave to a dad, and He creates a desire in my children to leave no doubt whose they are and what they are for, the Lord's. And I'll give you a moment to write that in. Now, here's the verse God took me to. Train up a child, Proverbs 22, 6, and I hope you have your Bibles open because we'll write some things in your margin. You'll probably lose these notes, but that way you'll have it in the margin of your Bible. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, circle your word, train. And I want you to write four words in your margin. The first word, because notice Roman numeral one, number one, the word train is the Hebrew word, shanach, which carries the ideas, number one, A, instructing. Now, I'm going to teach you this one verse, but I promise you, you can study the whole Bible and you'll see this thousands of times. See, when it says train up a child, it means instruct a child. Now, I could have used thousands of different examples, but I thought, let me take you to when God took Israel out of Egypt, and because God has a daddy's heart, God has a father's heart, this was first and foremost in his heart. This is what, what it means, Israel, that I'm the one Lord God, and I brought you out of the bondage of Egypt, 
and I brought you to be my people. This is what it means. And it means to be a godly daddy. It means to be a godly mama. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 to 9. Now, if you can turn there quickly, do it, because you can write some things in your margin, and you can underline, circle some words. See, right after God said, Hear, O Israel, I am the one Lord God, and since I'm the one Lord God, love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then here's the instruction. You shall teach them diligently to your children. See, God has a daddy's heart. What does it mean that you're my people? That you're going to be a godly daddy and you're going to raise godly children. What does it mean that you're going to get married? You're going to raise godly offspring. And how do you do it? You teach them. Diligently is not when it's convenient. Diligently is with all your heart. It's priority number one. You're going to teach your children. Well, what are you going to teach your children? Well, you're going to talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down. That's all the time. And when you rise, you're going to be teaching them that I am the one Lord God and to love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then you'll bind them as a sign on your hand. Just put bracelets on that says, I am the Lord God. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. Put bands around your head that says, I am the Lord God. Love me with all your heart. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Last night, as I was reviewing this, because remember, I had this bulletin done. I had this message prepared. I went to camp. And then last night, we got home, and I looked at it again. And as I'm sitting at my kitchen table just reviewing this, God says, just get up and take a walk around your house, because we've lived in it for 22 years. I got up in a kitchen, and I walked over, and you that have been in my home, you know there's a desk there, there's a telephone there, and we keep, you know, there's drawers there, and all information, and there's a big sign, and it says prayer. I, I walked over. Every wall has some kind of scripture. Whatever room, I just started walking through my house, and I realized, and most of these pictures have been there since we moved in 20 years ago. I mean, it's where all my boys, Matt was six years old when we moved into that house. Uh, Josh was a freshman at Crestview, and Phil was a sophomore. And, and these pictures have been there. And, and I began to walk, and I, I thought I was reminded that way back when Ronnie and I first got married, and I understood this scripture, I realized how important it is in every room of your house for your children to see the Word of God. That's what that's saying. It's instructing that they have no doubt about who you are and what you're for. Remember when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want you to know, the devil doesn't fight fair. Your children are fragile. Your children are emotional. They live in this crooked, depraved, lustful, crazy world. We have to leave no doubt whose we are, what we are. That's instructing. Now, right in front of your word, go back to your message notes. I've got to speed up as usual. Right, put the word right in front of that A, that little A instructing. Write the word in all capitals, much, M-U-C-H. Much, and then write the word above much, continual. Just much instruction, continual instruction. You cannot instruct enough. But I want you to know when I get down there to that D, I'm going to show you the way that makes all those signs and all of that stuff coming out of your Word what makes it stick. That if you don't have that D in there, then all those signs and that stuff, it'll just confuse your children. So let's go on to B. Write down the next idea that this Hebrew word Shinnok communicates, and it's dedicating. Dedicating. And just write over to your left of dedicating the word extreme. Extreme dedicating. Now we'll see in Deuteronomy 6, 10 to 14 what dedicating is. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that He swore to your fathers. Now, the people going from Egypt to the promised land represents from us going to living in as a slave of sin, lost, to being born again and going into the promised land. We call it salvation, new life in Jesus Christ. 
So when the Lord brings you from being lost to being saved, He brings us into the land that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build. See, we didn't deserve salvation. And He said, it. I can't do it by my good works. By grace you're saved through faith. Well, when I give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all the good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees, keep going, that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, see, Jesus wants to make us full. We've been studying. How do you walk always in victory? That's fullness of Christ. Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the houses of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by His name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. You know what dedicating is? Dedicating is with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength that you've resolved, okay, this is what I'm for. For you that have been in athletics, especially on the college level, you know what dedicating is if you go to play a sport. It's five to eight to ten hours a day that you get up at six in the morning, you weight lift, you run, you train, you do this, you do that. I mean, we're for here for one reason, and that's to win. And you cannot win unless you're dedicated. Just say that with me. Write it down. You cannot win unless you're dedicated. How many of you have a business and say, oh, I'll go in and work when I feel like it? I just don't feel like the stress of today. No, if you have a business, you're dedicated. God showed me that in this word train, that it means with all my heart. And then look at the next word. Write it in, disciplining. And right to the left, disciplining, write the word biblical. Biblical disciplining. Now the last time, and it's been eight, ten months ago, that I happened to mention just what biblical discipline was, I received word the next week, three or four days later, and said, Pastor, so-and-so, and this was a person that was going through a divorce, had all kinds of unresolved hurts and frustration and anger in his life. And he went home and frustrated. He gave his children a belt whipping. And he even said, Pastor told me you need discipline. So you're going to get discipline. And it had nothing to do with biblical discipline. So I want to be careful this morning. I want you to write this phrase down before I tell you anything about biblical discipline. Before you ever discipline your children, discipline without tons of love and encouragement and loving and tenderness and playing and caring and that child knowing that no one thinks that they're more precious to anyone than you. If you discipline without that love, it's only going to lead to resentment and rebellion. Did you know, folks, even in, in your relationship with me, you know who can receive a strong word from me better than anyone else in this church? You know who it is? It's the men that are with me every week. I can say anything to Mr. Tony because he knows I'm for him. I love him. I mean, if I have a strong rebuke for Mr. Tony, he knows, Pastor loves me. Mr. Don. Because, see, they're with me every week. They know me. We laugh. We tease. We hurt when each other hurt. We rejoice. We can brag on what God's done in us, and we get happy for each other because we're, we're family. And that's the challenge when I preach a big crowd. If you're not close to me and you don't know me, if I say a strong word, you can take that and it can hurt you. 
And the devil can use it and say, well, I didn't like that. And what was intended to equip you and build you up in the Lord and set you free in truth, it, the devil can twist it. And, and several of the men this week, they talked to me and said, Pastor, that's your challenge. Because when you teach, you, you're passionate and, and you leave no doubt, but people that aren't close to you, the devil can take that and twist it in their minds. And that, that's the challenge we have when we receive truth is we got to know we're loved. And I want you to know, by God's grace and goodness in my life, I may not know you at all this morning, but I can say to you, I love you in Jesus Christ, and I want His very best for your life. But see, the, the Word tells us, and let's look at it, Proverbs 13, 24, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is dil diligent to discipline him. And a rod hurts. But, but you've got to read all of God's Word and know that God's talking about that just as He... Let's go into the Scripture, Mr. Steve, of Hebrews 12. See, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline. But understand the context of this. God is perfect love. God is patient. God is kind. But God knows there must be boundaries in life. And when you step out of the boundary of righteousness, you step into sinfulness which you will suffer. And so God says, even as a godly daddy, you must establish in your children's minds what is right and what is wrong. What is right according to the Word of God. Right is the word righteousness. And, and when you step out of the boundaries of what's righteousness, you're going to suffer. Because do not be deceived. God is not mocked. When you walk in sinfulness, you will suffer. Philip and Josh and Matt even have done a skit down in Zoe. And in teaching on discipline, one will be me and one will be them. And they like to say, and I never said this, but they like to say it. This is going to hurt you more than it hurts me. And then the other one will say, well then, Dad, give me the belt and let me do the hurting. You don't say that. See, you never discipline because you're frustrated. And by the way, many times I failed in that. My children would so frustrate me, and maybe I was already frustrated from the difficulties and the challenges of the day, that all of a sudden I would find myself disciplining my child because I was frustrated. Yes, they were doing wrong, but I was frustrated. And you know what? After that, God would convict me, and I would need to say... You were wrong and you needed discipline, but I ask you to forgive Daddy for disciplining you out of my frustration instead of just you are doing wrong and you need to understand you crossed over the boundary. There are consequences to sin. I do not want you one day to not think there's consequences to sin and go to prison. Because by the way, that's why prisons are filled with young men and young women. They did not understand there are consequences to sin. It is a horrible thing when we think, and I'm talking about all of us, that we think we got away with sin and there were no consequences. That is a horrible thing. God says, much instruction, extreme dedicating, biblical disciplining. Now, a lot of godly parents do those three things. But they fail because they don't understand this word, Shinak, train, what the main understanding of that word was. Are you ready? This will transform your life if you receive this this morning. 
It is the word that the midwives, the Hebrew midwives, use to create a desire in a brand new baby, mamas, to suck, to feed. This is the word. And it literally means, write it in, creating an appetite. Creating an appetite. Now, write, and I have four words for you to write to the left of D. Write the word gladness. Write the word rejoicing. Write the word praying. And write the word thankfulness. I'm going to show you how those four words are used hundreds of times through Scripture, Old and New Testament, to create a desire in your baby that when they instruct, are instructed, they'll receive it. When you are dedicated to raising them, that the Lord God, they'll receive it. When you discipline them, no one likes discipline, but they'll understand. See first, look at Psalm 100, verse 2. Read it with me, sweet church family. Serve the Lord with... Let's say it again. Serve the Lord with... One more time. Serve the Lord with gladness. And God showed me. I could not complain at home after I'd served the Lord during the day, if my children heard that, it would confuse them in my instruction. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. I'm going to show in you a minute. The whole point of being filled with the Spirit is you have a song in, in your heart of praise and gladness and rejoicing. See, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. Memorize these two verses, parents. They'll change your life. Let's read it together. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Stop. Look at that. How much is always? No exception. You say, Pastor, that's impossible. Yes, it is impossible. Unless you learn to walk in victory. Remember what we've been studying the last three months? I got all the answers over there on the left for you. It, that is impossible unless you walk in victory. See, I'm always rejoicing now. There's no way you can rejoice always in the circumstances of this old fallen world, is there? There's no way you can rejoice that when your loved one just finds out they have cancer and two months to live. There's no way when you get a phone call and, and Papa just died or Brother just died or, or Grandma just died. So what are you rejoicing in always? Say it. What are you rejoicing always in? Say it. Thank you. What are we rejoicing in? Always say it. There. And when you're always rejoicing in the Lord, that creates a desire in your children that in all this garbage out there and a war with the devil, they get it, they say, it's real. How do you pray without ceasing? Man, we got to work. There's a lot of things to do. I'm not just always on my knees praying. It's practicing the presence of the Lord. A guy walked in the other night I hadn't seen in 22 years, Ted Burden. Used to be one of my praise leaders in the state at Super Summer. We used to even have, have him come at First Baptist Ellisville on Saturday nights and, and do a joy explosion for us. We do once a month. And he's a big Indian. Now, he was a big Indian back then. As soon as he walked in, you know, he said, Phil, I've, I've lost 150 pounds since I've seen you, and I'm thinking. 
And he says, but I've gained 240. I mean, he's a huge, you know, three to 400 pound, big Indian. But we just talked about life and we talked about so many of our friends that are not even in ministry. Their children, I mean, it was broken hardness. But, you know, two guys just reminisced and I would say, well, well, I haven't heard anything about Jeff. What about Jeff? What about Don? What about Gene? And, and we were catching up. Life is hard. But what creates a desire in our children is in all of that hardness, in all of those questions of life, in all of the midnights of life, when they see that somehow when you have tears coming down your cheek and you don't know why God's letting this happen to you, but you say, we're going to stay on the Lord. And, and they say, well, what are we going to do, Daddy? And you say, I don't know, but we're just going to stay faithful because God is faithful and time plus faithfulness will take care of everything, honey. I don't know, but we're going to stay faithful because God is faithful. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's hard to do, isn't it? Remember with Joseph? Joseph somehow had the vision to see God, the God of right, is always at work, even what? In all the wrong to bring right. And at the end of that visit with Ted, he said, well, Phil, I want to pray for you before I leave, buddy. What can I pray for you? I said, you pray for me, Teddy. What I asked my church family to pray for you. You just pray that I'll see God. I'll just see God. I know because I want to know God better than anything else. For as long as I live, he will allow trials and heartaches to come into my life because his word says that through those trials, they're not, to, they're not to destroy me. They're just to let me count it all joy in my life that in these trials, James chapter 1, I'll just learn perseverance. I'll learn to just stay immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. I'll just stay on him. I'll just see how needy I am for him more than I knew yesterday. Lord, I need you. I enjoy the blessings and I love the mountains and I praise you for them, but I don't learn much there. I learn when I'm hurting. I learn when I say, God, I don't know the way, but you are the way and I'm going to trust in you. And by the way, when your children see you that way, you know, there's a phrase that usually has a negative to it and it says, man, I'm glad my child didn't catch me doing that. Let me tell you when you want your children to catch you when they know you're going through a heartache, when they know you're going through difficulty, when they know it's midnight in their life and it's Saturday morning or it's Thursday night and they come into your room to get something and they find you on your knees and they realize they walked in on holy ground. Oh, and they walk in on a Saturday afternoon with their friends and they want to play ball with you and they see you just sitting on the couch there studying the Word of God. You know, Philip, if you know anything about Philip, he's a socialite. He's like a butterfly. And, and through college, he, he would go to someone's house nearly every weekend and half the time during the week, and he didn't study too much. And I had to tell him, son, you're there to study, not just to know everyone in the world. And, and, but he said, after a couple years, it, it finally came to him because when you grow up, you don't know anything except what you know. He said, Dad, you know, I've been to all these houses and I've been to all these pastors' homes and I've never seen anyone other than one man and he was in our church. I've never seen any man when we just come into his house that he would be studying the Word of God. I, I've asked my, my friends that their dads are pastors and church leaders, does your dad pray with you daily? And not a one prays with him. Ted, what is it? I said, honey, I don't know what it is. Uh, Romans 15, 3, everything I am, honey, it's only by the grace of God. But I would tell him my story, and I said more than anything, back when I was 25, I prayed, God, I want to be a godly daddy. I don't want to go through the tears and the heartaches that I see my parents and every other pastor and Dr. McGorman. I don't want to go through that. And besides, I know it's God's will to, to raise godly offspring.
that last little phrase that it says, give thanks in all things. I, I want you, I want God to burn these three words, and I know we're out of time, we've got to finish. But say those words that I gave. Did you get them all written down? Gladness, rejoicing, praying, thankfulness. You're thankful because God is sovereign. He's steadfast. He's sure. He's strong. He's sufficient. Now, sweetest, don't let the devil turn this on you. Don't let the devil turn you on this. We're, we're, we're learning how we can be from this day forward a godly daddy. Jesus the cross covers everything in the past if you'll give that to him. See, write in number two and three, and we'll close. Because of our children's sinful nature, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that includes the prettiest baby you'll ever see. We want to do it our way. And everything they face and must overcome in learning to be victorious in their walk of faith, and just quickly glance over on the left side of your notes. See, those are the ways we've been studying. Okay, this is how I always walk in victory so I can spread the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. And you know what the fragrance of Him? The fragrance of Him is being glad when I serve Him, not complain. Rejoicing in the Lord no matter what because He is sovereign. Praying, practicing the presence of God. It's not just a Sunday event. It's not just Bible study time. It is 24-7. And in that, I am thankful to Him for He is in charge. And all things work together for good. If God is for me, who can be against me? That's a thankful heart. See, if they're going to overcome and learning to be victorious in their walk of faith, then all four ingredients are needed. Much instructing, extreme dedicating, biblical disciplining, and what ties them all together that they receive it is I create a desire by the way I walk my talk 24-7. See, number three, children interpret what parents say and do by how they perceive their parents' body language and the song that's in their hearts. Write that down. Children have these little antennas. And by the way, those antennas never go away. Just a week ago, my son Josh, he's 36. He was home, and two different companies want him to come to work with them. And he was telling us, Philip and me, about these opportunities. I thought I was just sitting still and listening. I didn't say a word. He's just telling, Philip and I were out on our deck, and he's just telling us. And then all of a sudden, I just said, well, honey, you need to be careful. And he interrupts me and says, Dad, I already know you don't want me to take that job. I hadn't said anything. I said, what do you mean you know? Well, Dad, I can just see it in your body language. You don't have to say anything. And I thought, this is not the time to instruct because he is totally just letting me know with his big brother that my body, and I just thought, because I was already preparing this message, I said, there it is. It never gets old. For right or for wrong, your children are reading you all the time. Now, whether they're reading you right, and by the way, my son was right. He was right. I didn't even know, however my body language was, he was reading me. But I thought, how did you do that? They have incredible perceptionary. They know when you have a song in your heart with praise to God and when you're worried sick. Last passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to do something special. I got a special gift for all the daddies. 
See, look at that scripture, Ephesians 5, 17 to 21. Read it with me, men. Just the men on this one. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Did you see that? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a song in your heart of praise. And did you see that? You're going to be grateful because He is sovereign. And you're going to have a submissive heart. That's humility. I want all the daddies to come up here. I promise, daddies, this is painless. I got something for you. Thursday night in my sleep, the Lord woke me up and said, this is what I want you to do. You know, it's always easy to get a mama's day's gift. We just get them a flyer, and they like that. One year, we got all our men a a can of Pepsi or Coke and uh, a door hanger. You know, it's hard, a screwdriver. It's hard to get men a gift. So I got you to get, come close. We're a team. We're a huddle. Whether you know me or not, I want you to know I love you in Jesus. And I want you to know, if you haven't known the joy of being a godly daddy, this is the first day of your life. Okay, just start passing these out to each other. Just turn around, just give the stack to one guy and then pass it on. Now, ladies, what I'm giving your men, what I'm giving your men, some of them may not be ready to do anything about this today. And don't you dare, don't you dare put any pressure on them. Don't you dare say, well, why don't you do what? They may not be ready to do that today. You be still, you be loving, you be praying, and you wait on God to work in their lives. But this is what this says. And notice what it says, men. And I'm going to stand up here above you, but you just read with me. It says, I will be a winning dad. Notice it doesn't talk anything about yesterday, right? It's from this day forward. Don't let the devil trip you on this. It's from this day forward. Remember, we teach the Word of God that God can convict us. What does the devil want to do? He wants to condemn us. Condemnation is never from the Lord. So don't be condemned. That's why I put there, I will be. We're talking future. Now, understanding. After this message, I pray that each of you understand God has given me an indescribable, powerful influence upon my children, and in that influence commands me to live my life defined by the Word of God. Next statement, defined by the Word of God rather than just influenced by the Word of God. I create a desire in my children to leave no doubt whose they are and what they are for. The Lord's. Why? Because they see that in my life. Therefore. You know how Scripture gives truth and then it'll say, therefore? Okay, here's our therefore. By God's grace and truth as an adopted son of God. Now, if any of you men are here and you've not been redeemed yet by God, you've not been adopted, don't leave today without saying, Pastor Phil, we need to get together. You need to show me how I can be an adopted son of God. Because you've got to have the presence of God in your life before we do any of this other. Okay, so by God's grace and truth, just as Andy shared, I'm an adopted son of God, and therefore I will train up my children. Now, what is train up my children in the way they should go? And it says Proverbs 22, 6, instructing. And you got the Deuteronomy passage, dedicating, disciplining, and creating an appetite. Now, how do I do that? Well, I know every day, humble before God, I got to live under the authority of God's Word, John 8. I got to walk by the Spirit and not by sinful nature, Galatians 5. I got to fight my battles with the Scriptures, 2 Corinthians 10. I got to surround myself with like minded men to encourage me in my walk of faith with God. And then there's a place for them to sign that and date it. Now hear me one more time, women. Don't you ask your husband if he's going to do that today. Don't you ask anything what he's going to do with this. Some of you men may need to just take this home and put it in your sock drawer. Or put it on a shelf because you're not ready. 
Because here's what you're going to do when you sign it. When you sign it, you're going to date it, and you're going to have a powwow in your home, and you're going to call your wife and children to the kitchen table or the dining room table, wherever, the family room, and you're going to say, I want to give you something. And I promise you, if I had my wife and my three sons here, and I've given them everything I've ever had, I'm a giver because God's changed my life. I give to the Lord in this kingdom, and I give to my sons and my grandchildren. I'm, I'm cheap otherwise. I'm cheap. My boys would say, Dad, it's good that Mom likes to give because we wouldn't get anything for Christmas. And I'd say, that's not true. I just write them checks and put them on the Christmas tree. But I'm not a, I'm not a guy that buys gifts. But I give to what I love the most, and I give to my sons, and I give to my wife, and I give to the kingdom. But if I said of all the things I've given you, boys, or to my wife, is there anything I've given you that's as precious as this? And they'd say, nothing. And I'm telling you, and you know why that's true? Because that's how God created us. I didn't think any of this up. It's how God designed us. But I want you to know, men, God loves you. God loves you. And don't let the devil condemn you for yesterday. Don't let the devil condemn you. I know how my parents lived condemned. As my brothers were in prison, as they were in all kinds of heartache going through divorce, I know how my parents struggled with condemnation because they knew they had had all kinds of compromise in their life. Don't let the devil do that. I'm telling you, we're here at church to love the Lord and love each other. I had one student this week, last story. He has struggled with bitterness toward one of his parents for years. I've talked to him about it. But one night, God moved mightily. And this guy came up and gave me a bear hug and laid his head on my shoulder and wept like a baby. You know why he could do that? Because he knows I love him with the love of Jesus. He knows I'm going to love him if he never does that or if he does that. He, and, and we all need that. Some of you men are scared to be vulnerable and humble and get in a room with men and really talk the word. You're scared of that. Don't be fearful of that. God has not given you a spirit of fearfulness, but of love and power and a sound mind. Because I'll tell you, at my age now, there's no joy. No joy. Scripture, by the way, says this too. No joy like raising godly sons or godly daughters. No joy. And God wants all of you to know that joy. Amen? So you know what you're going to do with this. If you're ready to sign it today, you sign it today. Have a powwow with your family and say, don't judge me by this. Don't wait till I slip and say, what about that? No. When we slip, we pick each other up. We encourage one another. We don't condemn each other. But see, that's dedicating yourself. But to dedicate yourself, you've got to do those other things, remember, and walk in victory so you can live it out. Let me just pray over you. Let's just put our hands on each other. Let's just imagine, if you've never been on a football team or a basketball team, this is the favorite part. Before you go out and do war, you got to know you got a team to do war with. You got to know that if that other guy wants to kill me, I got a team. See, I was always little, so I always wanted to put my hands on the offensive line, the big boys. If we get in a fight, you guys all scream and cry, and you go kill them. That's a team. See, our, our battle is with the devil with a wicked wretched world it's with our old sinful nature and i need a team and father i just pray over this team this mighty warriors they're like gideon some of them they don't feel like a mighty warrior they're hiding in the wine press because the enemy is oppressing them but lord i praise you you see them as mighty warriors you see them as godly husbands and godly daddies and godly grandpas 
And Lord, I, I praise you that you've not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but of power and love and a sound mind. And I thank you for this being the first day of the rest of their lives to your honor, your glory, that your kingdom come in their lives, in their marriages, in their children. And Father, I thank you. We can love you and we can love one another. Pull down the strongholds of fear. Lord, and some of these men, they're, they're afraid to be humble and vulnerable with other men because they've been hurt a lot. Lord, they're afraid of the things in their life that they never want them exposed because people they think would talk about them. Lord, Lord, do your work in us that as a people we'll be a loving people, a humble people, a, a kind people, an encouraging people, a forgiving people, a helpful people. Oh, Lord, to your honor, to your glory. And for the good of our children, Lord. For the good of our children that they won't get mixed up and confused by our, our walk and talk at home. They'll know there's no doubt whose we are and what we're for.